Welcome back, everyone, to the Blaze Experience. I am your host, Derek, as always, and you are joining me for episode number 51 today. We just had our big 50th episode last week, and I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jurgen. But today, we are back to talk some more State of Decay 2 again. As always on a Saturday, we always talk State of Decay 2, so we are back to talk about it once more. And today, we are going to talk about some patch notes. So, last Friday, they had the big Zed Hunter release, and we got some new things in the game, like crossbows. We got some new missions, things like that. And alongside that, we got the patch notes, which are a bunch of bug fixes and little updates to the game that, you know, help make the game run smoother. And today's episode, we're not going to focus on the Zed Hunter stuff itself. Those were some huge changes, but basically what I decided to do is piecemeal this into two episodes, because if I talked about all the Zed Hunter stuff with the new crossbows and the patch notes in the same episode, it'd end up being like a two to two and a half hour episode. So we're not typically doing episodes that are that long. So what I decided to do is, you know, kind of spare you guys a little bit and do uh, two episodes about, you know, one to one and a half hours each. Because there is a lot to talk about with both of those things, but I decided that it was better to piecemeal it out into two episodes. Because one giant episode like that, uh, we have done it technically a couple times. I think there's been three episodes over two hours, but it's not common for us to do episodes over two hours. So I figured it would be better to do it this way. So we are going to talk about the actual patch notes of it this time. So we're going to talk about patch 5.0. And then next week, next week, we'll talk about the Zed Hunter update. So we'll talk about the new crossbows. We'll talk about the new missions, things like that. We'll kind of go into more detail with that stuff next week. So so stay tuned for that next week. That's going to be that part of it. And there's a reason for that, which I'll get to in a second. Today's episode will be about the patch notes 5.0. And this is a very huge patch. Uh, it's probably the biggest patch that's been released yet. There's so many fixes, so many updates. So. It, it takes a whole episode to take, go through this because there's a lot of stuff here. But before we get into that, we have some news, as always, at the top of the podcast. Our next podcast, we will resume our Wednesday podcast. Um, we did have a week off last week for Wednesday podcast. So our Wednesday podcast will resume next week. And we're going to talk about some Thief of Thieves. And no, I did not say Sea of Thieves. I said Thief of Thieves. So Thief of Thieves is basically... A comic made by Robert Kirkman, the same creator of The Walking Dead. And this is a uh, comic that has to deal with, you know, a family of thieves, basically. And there's a, now a game about it. So this is an episodic game, and we're going to get into that game. Um, volume 1 is out on Game Pass, and I did play Volume 1. So we're going to talk about, you know, my impressions of that and things. So if you haven't played it yet, you know, you have until uh, Wednesday to kind of get familiar with it. because. On Wednesday, I'll be talking about that, so stay tuned for that, and that'll be our next episode. Our next stream, um, no guarantees typically, but likely going to be Tuesday, 11-27, so um, I'm going to try to get a stream in on Tuesday. It's probably going to be a night stream, I would think, so probably going to be late at night, uh, Eastern Time. But some of our bigger news is... And part of the reason that I actually decided to do the Zed Hunter update stuff for next weekend, we have Decay Fest 2 coming. Yes, if anyone remembers, back in September, we had the original Decay Fest. It was a great event, week-long event, you know, streamers streaming all week long. And Decay Fest 2 this time is going to be a much shorter event. It's just going to be a two-day weekend event. We're going to do it on Friday, November 30th. And Saturday, December 1st. So just, you know, Friday, Saturday, next weekend. But it's going to be a great event. We're going to have streamers going pretty much, you know, right from 7 a.m. Uh, Friday morning all the way to the end of Saturday. So it's going to be really fun. We're going to celebrate Zed Hunter. You know, we're going to be some crossbows. We're going to be um, doing a little bit of the challenge that Undead Labs released. They released a set block challenge. So I think a few of us might, you know, attempt that on stream. So that'll be kind of fun to attempt that on there. And during Decay Fest 2, we are going to, you know, preview a little bit of what's coming for Undead Trials 2. Because Undead Trials 2, we're going to announce today, is coming December 9th to December 15th. 
It's going to be a week-long competition event, and we're going to do it around the base game. So we have a week-long competition event scheduled for the base game. And during the K-Fest 2, we're going to kind of um, give some sneak peeks of what, you know, you might see in Undead Trials 2. So stay tuned for that. It should be a lot of fun, and I'm definitely excited for it. So, And that is also why, like I said, we're talking about Zed Hunter next weekend, because next Saturday's podcast will be about the Zed Hunter updates. I thought that went a lot better with the Decay Fest 2. So since we're doing Decay Fest 2 next weekend, I thought talking about Zed Hunter next weekend would, you know, be appropriate. So that's why we're talking about the patch today and talking about the Zed Hunter self itself next weekend. So that's kind of how we're doing that. And I will mention as well that our contest is still ongoing. We are currently doing a contest until the end of November. And this contest allows you to win a copy of Independence Pack DLC and the Daybreak DLC for State of Decay 2. So if you want to enter and win both of those DLCs, what you have to do is any one of these five ways. You can do all five to get five entries if you want, or you can do just one to get one entry. It's up to you, but you can earn up to five entries. You can join our Discord, which will be in the show notes. You can join our Facebook group, which will be in the show notes. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can give us an iTunes review. And you can follow us on Twitter or retweet a tweet about the podcast release. So, for example, this podcast I'm doing right now, when I tweet about this podcast going out, if you retweet that, that'll count as an entry. So those are the five ways you can enter. One more time, I'll say them one more time. You can join our Discord, you can join our Facebook group, you can subscribe on YouTube, you can give us an iTunes review, which would be really appreciated, because those do help us a lot. And you can either follow us on Twitter or retweet a tweet about a podcast release. So those are the five ways you can enter to get yourself a copy of the Independence Pack DLC and Daybreak DLC. And if you already have these, you know, that's great, then you might know a friend that's been uh, wanting to play those DLCs, and you can just give them to a friend, so... It's your choice how you want to use them, but if you win, then those will be yours. So stay tuned for next weekend. We're going to talk about the Zed Hunter portion of this big update that we have here. And also next weekend, that is officially when this contest will end. So if you want to enter the contest, you have until next Saturday. So you have one more week. I will probably do the drawing um, live in my Discord next weekend. I might do it on Sunday since uh, Decay Fest 2 is going to be going on Saturday. So I might do the drawing on um, 12-2 on, in my Discord. So that's probably what I'm going to do for that. But that being said, I know that was a little bit of news there. We're going to get into the patch notes now. So as always in the Blaze Experience, we go through every patch notes in detail, full detail. We don't skip anything. So if there's a point that's part of this patch, we will be talking about it. I don't always know... Um, the specifics of every single point. I mean, some of these points are kind of like, huh, I wonder what that means. But uh, we will be mentioning all of them because I feel it's only right for the listeners here that you get the full details. I know there's a lot of um, videos and other things out there that only give you like, oh, here's three points from the update. I don't feel that really serves the listeners best because that doesn't give you the full picture of what was released. So it's my um, opinion that... Giving you the full information is the best way to go because then you have everything to go off of and you kind of hear my thoughts about it and you also hear what I think is important too because there's a lot of parts of this patch and other patches that I think are very important and some people leave these important parts out and I think it's really good for the community out there to know about these parts because you know you don't want to be playing your game and then all of a sudden you run up against oh wow what's going on here did they change this in a patch? And then you realize, oh, they did change in a patch and whatever information I got wasn't the full information. So that's kind of why I do it the way I do it. And I try to give everyone the full information. So first up, we have some changes for Daybreak itself. So this list is all changes for Daybreak. So first up, we have earned Clio rewards are now given to players even if they close or disconnect from a game before the round is finished. So this is actually really good because... If you're playing a game and you disconnect, it is always frustrating to not have those rewards update for you. So um, anyone that's having those problems, you know, you're having disconnect issues. Um, maybe you're playing with a friend that's, you know, international and one of you always disconnects just because of the ping or the lag or anything like that. Then this is helpful because now you're going to at least get your clear rewards. So 
that is nice that that's fixed. This next one is one of the bigger parts of the patch, I think. And it's something I've been asking for personally for a while, and I'm really glad they updated it. The collection screen now shows you the prestige cost of the selected item, as well as your current prestige total. And that is huge, because it was a big pain for players that, you know, were playing Daybreak a lot to be playing Daybreak. You know, you earn all this prestige. You have no idea what your prestige is, so you don't know when to stop. So you could be maxed out for, you know, three hours, play another three games, and not know you're maxed out and waste all the prestige. Because what you had to do previously is you had to go back into the base game to find out how much prestige you had. So there's no way to know from the daybreak screen how much prestige you already had. Now there is. So now from the collection screen, the game will tell you, okay, you have, you know, 3,500 prestige. And then you know, okay, I can play a couple more games of daybreak before I actually have to worry about it. But if you have like 9,000 prestige, then at that point, you want to go back into the base game, spend a little bit, and then go back to Daybreak. This is really helpful to add this in, so thank you Undead Last for adding that in. I really appreciate that. And hopefully others in the community do too, which I believe they will. Walls no longer show interaction icons when they do not need to be repaired. This is actually really helpful because it's kind of a small nuisance if you're newer at it. Having that icon show up because you're going to think, oh, I have to repair this wall. And it's going to slow you down and it's going to, you know, make the game more difficult for you if you don't already know when you want to repair the walls. If you're experienced, I don't think this is going to be a huge um, change for anyone, but because you've already, you know, played the game enough to know, okay, you know, I probably am not going to repair a wall until it's red at least or it's down all the way. But if you're newer, then this might throw you off a lot and you might end up repairing a lot of walls that don't really need repairing. Say it's like an orange wall or... Um, even if the wall is fully at full health, having that icon there showing that, you know, it can be repaired, that's really going to confuse newer players. So this is a nice change for anyone that's uh, newer at Daybreak. Kind of along those same lines that I alluded to, lightly damaged walls now show yellow, not orange repair indicators. So basically a wall that's barely, barely touched, it's going to show yellow and not orange. So Essentially, you're going to have yellow, orange, red, and then no wall. That's going to be your stages you have now. And yellow is going to be where you don't want to touch it at all because yellow is barely touched. You know, that's like, oh, this, the zombie hit it like one time. So that's not even worth your time to repair that. And that's going to help uh, players that don't have as much experience at Daybreak know when to repair the walls and when not to. We added a waiting screen for clients to keep them from spawning into Daybreak before the host. So this is something that I didn't really experience a lot myself, but I can see why that might be frustrating if you spawn in before the person hosting the game, and it might cause you to back out of the game and then have to go back in afterwards. So I can see where it causes some hassle possibly, but you know it's definitely a good change to have. Now this one here is interesting actually. When a player dies in Daybreak, their undetonated remotely triggered landmines now disappear to reduce battlefield clutter. This is something that actually could make the game a little bit harder because if you have like, you know, a whole set of minefields, so you have three minefields out because you have them all up front or something, and then you die, all of your mines are going to go away. So all those mines you spent, those are all going to be gone. So it really makes dying, you know, mean a lot more in Daybreak because if you die and lose those mines, that could be, you know, the difference between your team winning and your team losing, depending how good your team is, you know what stage you're on. There's a lot of other factors involved, but depending on the situation, it could cause you to actually lose if the wrong person dies and they get rid of all the mines. So this actually makes it a little bit um, more of a varied strategy to have different people placing mines at a game because now that this changes in place, say I'm playing a game with, you know, a couple of my friends and say I'm playing with uh, Mr. Dart and Kay Sizzle, for example. Well, if I'm playing with Mr. Dart and he puts out, you know, all the mines by himself and then he dies or disconnects, all of our mines are now gone. So it'd be a lot smarter now for the three of us to go, okay, I'm going to place down one minefield, you know, K-Sizzle can place down one and Mr. Dart can place down one as well. So it's going to be a lot smarter for us to actually spread the minefields out just in case, because just in case somebody dies by accident, we're not going to lose every minefield now. Now we're going to lose only one minefield. So I like this change because this change makes you think about it a little bit more. And 
this change actually punishes you more for somebody dying. So, and that's kind of how the game should be. So I, I do appreciate this change. Now, this one here is actually really big too. The loadout screen now remembers your last equipment selection. So the thing with this one is I'm not sure if this applies how I want it to apply because I haven't had a chance to try it out yet. But basically, there's two ways I could see this applying. The first way is I'm playing a game at Daybreak. I have a set loadout I want. You know, maybe I want um, the Cleo Battle Axe. Maybe I want the Blast Rifle. And maybe, you know, for whatever reason, I want the firebombs maybe you know i'm really happy with firebombs i really like firebombs so let's just say that's my loadout that i wanted okay so that's my loadout i want what would happen before is i play with that you know that's my loadout i have a bunch of fun i get off you know for the day i come back the next day and i have to pick my loadout again well now according to this the loadout screen should remember my last equipment selection so now I don't have to choose that again. Now it's already set for me. I can just jump right in. Now, the question I have, and I did pose this to one of the developers, but they weren't sure themselves, is if I die, will this loadout actually stay the same if I die? Because that is going to be a huge change. It's something that really benefits it if it's true. So previously, it might still be this way, but previously what would happen is if I had the battle axe and I die, the game randomly spawns me in with, you know, a whole new loadout. So I can get the, like the extermination blade. I can get uh, the war hammer. So I can get stuff I don't even want to use. And I don't have a choice in the matter. When I, you know, particularly plan my loadout, I plan my loadout from the start, you know, for a reason. And the game could spawn me in with, you know, who knows what. You know, so that could be considered a punishment from dying. But at the same time, it is kind of frustrating when you don't have the stuff that you want to use when you spawn back in because there's a lot of times when things get hairy, you know, you spawn back in and it's like, oh, I have this crappy Warhammer I don't want to use. Like, you know, maybe you're like me, you don't really like using the Warhammer. It's like, ah, oh, dang, we're in trouble and I can't get back to my body bag in time. I just have to use this Warhammer. So I do hope that the loadout screen will remember your choices for dying as well. The developer I asked about it, they weren't sure at the time. and Unfortunately, I haven't had time to test it myself yet, so hopefully when I do get a chance to test it, hopefully this rings true that when I die, I can spawn back with the loadout I picked. So hopefully that is part of this change as well. But if not, you know, I do understand either way because if that's not the case, then I guess it's just more of a punishment for dying. So I understand it both ways. So that's it for the daybreak section. Now we have the Red Talon Contractor section. So first up, we added a secondary recruit option for Red Talon Contractors that offers classic Red Talon uniform, which is a tan vest over black clothing. So this is something I actually really appreciate because the, you know, whole black suit with the balaclava, it is nice and it is interesting, but I feel like it takes away some character from your Red Talon people because having that suit like that, you don't get to see their face or anything, so... I do appreciate the original Red Talon clothing because it allows you to at least see the character's face and things. So it gives you more character and it gives you, you know, a better sense of who your character is. So I do appreciate that more that this option is there. So thank you, Undead Last, for making this option for us. Now, this next one is actually really big as well. And it's something that a lot of people were getting frustrated with. Red Talon contractors can now be inspected and rejected upon meeting them. Rejected contractors offer a 3,000 prestige refund. So this is really good because a lot of people were getting Red Talon soldiers that they didn't like. And they would just exile them. So then that 3250 they paid for it, that was just a waste of prestige. Now at least if you you know don't want to take the person in your community, if you exile them right away without actually recruiting them, you get a 3,000 prestige refund. So that is really nice and that's really a plus up. You don't get a full refund, you lose 250 prestige, but I think that's very fair that you lose 250 prestige and you get to keep 3,000. So I think that's more than fair, and I really love this change because it makes it so if you don't like somebody, you're not penalized for it. You don't lose all that prestige you worked so hard for. This next one is also very big. The cooldown between Red Talon recruit attempts have been reduced by half. It used to be 90 minutes, now it's 45. So this is really big as well because... 
it was kind of frustrating to have all the prestige to spend, and the game wouldn't let you spend it. So now at least the timer's timed in half, the timer's cut in half, sorry, and it's 45 minutes instead of 90. So now when you recruit a red talent person, you only have to wait 45 minutes. So that's not as bad, and you can at least try out your new person for a little bit, and then you know recruit another one right after that. So I do appreciate them cutting this in half. Red talent contractors will no longer have their trait list disrupted by new traits gained through conversation, nor by starvation, frustration, and other temporary effects. So this one, I can't speak to that well. Um, during the Undead Lab stream this week, Jeffrey Card talked about this one a little bit more in detail. I forget all the details that he said about it, but basically it was something along the lines of Red Talent Contractors were having their traits kind of counteracted and you would get traits that you weren't supposed to be getting. So I remember he mentioned one about a DJ. So you're getting like this DJ trait that you weren't supposed to have. So that is counteracted now. You know, it's all fixed. Um, so that's all good now. That's not going to happen anymore. So anyone that was getting traits added that you weren't supposed to, that shouldn't happen anymore. Red talent contractors with the combat medicine skill now offer medical advice, just like real doctors. So that is, you know, something that's very intuitive. I mean, you would think someone with combat medicine would have medical advice. So it's very intuitive that they have this, and I'm glad they added this radio command. So thank you, Undead Less, for that. Thank you. And the last one for the red talent contractor section, the warfighting skill advertised that it caused all shots to pierce enemies, but this wasn't true. Now in the main game, it is true. So in the main game, it will pierce all enemies. In Daybreak, it still isn't true. So it won't do it in Daybreak, but they're not advertising anymore. So basically in Daybreak, the shots don't pierce all enemies. In the main game, warfighting shots do pierce all enemies. All right, next we have some gameplay changes. So the first one in this section is the aim camera no longer hitches when zooming in and out with a scope or sight. This isn't something that I experienced at all, but anyone that was having camera issues, those should be fixed um, when you hit use a scope at a site now. So that is nice that they fixed that. Um, again, this isn't something I could speak to a lot because I wasn't experiencing this issue. But for anyone that was experiencing it, I'm sure it was frustrating for them. So I'm glad it's fixed. NPCs no longer become hostile when dealt damage from sources that weren't hostile to them. So I'm not sure of an example of this. But I guess maybe like um, a landmine or something, you know, they accidentally step on a landmine that was placed earlier or maybe a car blows up, something like that, where like it was kind of a freak accident that, you know, you weren't intending to do damage to them and they become hostile to you. Now they won't be if it wasn't you know supposed to be that way. So basically you have to be directly hostile for, uh, to them for them to become hostile towards you now. So. That's kind of the way I'm reading this. Um, hopefully I'm reading that correctly. NPCs no longer react negatively when you accidentally point a gun in the direction. This was kind of like a um, very, very small annoyance, but it's something I did notice after a while because anytime, you know, like say, especially if I was sitting on a sniper tower and I was trying to shoot a zombie, anytime I'd, you know, scroll, like I go across one of my character's faces or something. They go, whoa, whoa, watch why you're pointing that gun. You know, they'd be like all freaking out at me. And it was kind of like, geez, dude, like I'm trying to shoot the zombie. Like, just get out of my way. So <laughs> it, it was kind of funny in a way because, you know, it was always like, you know, uh, some male or female that was just kind of standing in your way. You know, like I'm trying to shoot the zombie here. Like, I'm not even pointing the gun at you. I'm trying to point the zombie and you're in my way. So it is nice that that isn't going to happen anymore. So. Now, when you do that, um, they're not going to react negatively anymore. So that is nice. I appreciate that. Your character is now only impressed by a scavenging location when it actually has a lot of searchable containers. So basically, this is a something that Jeffrey Card talked about a lot in the Undead Lab stream. But there were locations in the game that had, like, you know, a certain kind of loot, you know, or a certain... Um, loot that could be good like you know oh it might have a ammo rucksack you know this this is a really good place to search and they'd always say that like basically no, no matter what you search now it's only going to say that if it has a, a lot of search containers there so 
Now it's going to be, you know, a lot more intuitive for the player because the player's going to know, oh, wow, this place has a lot of things to search. Let me go in here. So it's going to be a lot better for the player that way. And in addition to that, kind of along the same lines, your character no longer reacts to every suburban house like it's a prime outpost opportunity. Because what would happen here is any outpost that would offer you something special, which in this case includes beds, they'd be like, oh, this is a great place for an outpost. You know, we should uh, we should rest up here. Or, oh, we should um settle down here. It'd be something along those lines. And essentially, a lot of suburban houses offer beds. So it would feel like, you know, pretty much every place you walk into, they'd be saying that. Because a lot of the places have beds. And beds are a resource that is, you know, valuable to you. So that's why that was happening a lot more often than it should have been. Now that is fixed. And it shouldn't be happening that often. And last for the gameplay fixes. We fixed an issue that was making it extraordinarily difficult to walk instead of jog using the analog stick. Um, this is another issue that I haven't had personally, so I'm not sure. I'm, I mean, I get what I get what the issue was, but it's not an issue I had personally. So, you know, anyone that was using the analog stick, uh, I'm glad that that's fixed for you now, and you know, you can walk more properly. I guess. I mean, for me, I just never experienced this, so. It is unfortunate for anyone that was. But now it's fixed. So thank you, Undead Labs. So next up, we have some fixes for our community. So first up, they said, It may not have been clear in the previous patch notes that we are now store only the 50 most recently used legacy characters instead of stacking them up endlessly. This was necessary to reduce save sizes and prevent data loss. We are currently working on further improvements to this process. This is in reference to something they released in a previous patch where now the characters that you have saved from your legacies, you only get to save 50. And the reason they did this is because some people were having save issues where if they kept going and going and going and they, you know, kept creating more save files. And basically what was happening is they'd lose data. So that's definitely not a good thing for them to be losing data. So in order to prevent data loss, what Undead Labs had to do is they had to cap the amount of characters that you could actually store. And they have said that they're going to try to communicate changes like this in advance um, in the future if they can do it, because they realized that since this wasn't communicated in advance, players didn't have a warning, so some players lost characters they wanted to keep. So I don't want to speak for them, but I think um, on their behalf, this probably wasn't intended. So... They didn't want people to be losing characters that they cared about. They were just trying to prevent the data loss. So it is unfortunate that we didn't get a notice ahead of time. But Undead Labs has said that in the future, they're going to try to give us a notice ahead of time for changes like this if they can do it. It's not guaranteed they can do that, but they're going to give their best shot to give us a notice ahead of time. Also, when you delete a community, any characters within that community who have completed at least one legacy are now saved. So this is good because if you had a community that you didn't like, but you had like one of your top legacy characters in that community. So say you started with one legacy character and two new ones. It's nice that they do this because now that legacy character, they're not going to be deleted as well. They're not going to be thrown away. You'll at least save that character. You're just going to lose the other two. So I do appreciate this. And this is something that's good that Undead Labs did. Negative traits gained through conversation have had their negative impacts reduced and in many cases removed entirely. You can feel more confident bringing followers into the field. Um, this is another change that Jeffrey spoke more in detail about in the Undead Lab stream, so I would suggest checking that out. Because this is a change that I can't speak to a lot on my uh, my own. This isn't something that I experience really. Um, I never gained any negative traits through conversation as far as I know. Maybe I did without knowing it, and I just kind of, you know, dealt with it. So it's possible I did without knowing about it, but as far as I know, it hasn't happened to me. So, but um, the ones that do happen like that, their negative traits will be reduced, and your followers, you can be more confident bringing them to the field with you. So, followers aren't something I use a lot in the field. Um, usually, I just you know run around by myself, but occasionally I bring a follower with me. So, um, if you do bring one with you, then you can be more confident about that now. 
we fixed several skill specializations that were not responding to experience rate buffs. This is good because any specializations now will hopefully properly uh, have the experience for you. So that is good. Um, I know there's some issues, you know, way early on in the game where like, say, close combat way early on wasn't working properly because it wasn't um, having the experience go up. So it is nice that um, these specializations that weren't working properly are going to work properly now. We fixed an issue where we would display a mood description for a character that was not as sad as their actual mood. This is something interesting that I didn't notice myself. It probably did occur in my communities, but it's something that I didn't pay close enough attention to. But basically, your character would look sadder than they actually were. So it is nice that they kind of reflect this more intuitively now, because now when you look at community, you should see basically the way the character actually is. You know, if they're enthusiastic, they should appear that way. Or if they're not really that sad, they shouldn't appear so sad. So this is nice that they fixed this. We fixed some hero bonuses, traits, and other attributes whose effects were being ignored specifically. Durability loss per shock, durability loss per hit, and food consumed per day. So I didn't directly, directly notice this, but I did find that the durability loss per hit specifically, I did find that wasn't seemingly working that well because I've used weapons that, you know, are supposed to have having, you know, less durability loss per hit. And it seemed like they were breaking at the same point. So to me, I'm like, hmm. But I had no way to prove that it wasn't working properly. So I do appreciate Undead Labs looking out for us like this because I had no way to prove that, you know, the weapon wasn't breaking as fast as it usually did. But it, it just kind of felt like, huh, this weapon doesn't seem like it's lasting longer. You know, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's all in my head. But apparently it, it wasn't all in my head. And apparently it was uh, bugged. So... I do appreciate Undead Labs, you know, taking care of this for us, and now those specific um, attributes should work properly. So I definitely appreciate that. This one's kind of interesting, too. We fixed a crash that could occur where your final member of your community died after finishing the final legacy mission. So I guess when you finish your final legacy mission and your character dies right at the end, so like if you happen to have them die right at the end, it would crash everything for you and you wouldn't get the legacy, basically. So that is very unfortunate because you already had the legacy, like you already did it. So that is very unfortunate. It seems like a you know freak scenario that I can't imagine this happened to a lot of people, but anyone that did happen to, I can understand why it'd be frustrating. So it is nice that they fixed this crash now. All right, now we have some facilities updates. So the first one we have for the facilities section the Sniper Tower now offers a passive negative 2 to threat level and a new option to spend 2 ammo to reduce the threat level by 6 for an hour while training the shooting skill. This is actually very interesting because if you want to train your shooting up faster, you can do that. You can spend 2 ammo, you can reduce the threat by 6, and you can train your shooting all at once. So that is a very nice option now, and I'm glad the option is there because it makes the Sniper Tower more viable because... The sniper tower is always something that I'd really found what wasn't that useful to me. So that does make it more useful now that this option is available. So I do appreciate that option, and it is nice that it offers a passive negative two as well. This next one I appreciate very much so because Jeffrey said on stream that this is something that was brought about by me, and it was from a previous podcast I talked about. So in a previous podcast, I talked about how the bell tower at the church on the hill and the announcer box at Whitney Field weren't working properly because they wouldn't actually trigger a real siege. So um, Jeffrey said in the Undead Live stream that, you know, after listening to my podcast, they looked at it and they uh, made a new workaround. So it does work, you know, the way it's intended to be. So as it says here, the bell tower at the Church on the Hill and the announcer box at Whitney Field now trigger genuine sieges when used to reduce threat level at the base. To balance this out, their threat level benefit has been slightly increased. So this is really handy, and I definitely appreciate this because in the podcast that Jeffrey references, I had mentioned, you know, I like using those bell towers and things like that, but I was kind of, you know, expecting a siege, and I actually wanted the siege. Like, I was like, oh, yes, a siege is going to come, you know, this is going to be fun. We're going to have a siege come, you know, I'm going to defend my base, have some fun with these zombies here, and no siege came. So he explained what was happening is 
basically, if there weren't enough zombies in the area, because, you know, this is probably your home base, you know, obviously it's your home base at the time. If there weren't enough zombies in the area, then the siege wouldn't actually happen. But now what happens is they fixed it. They kind of, you know, changed how it works. So now it's not based on the number of zombies that are in the area. It's just a siege triggers automatically. So it's more like, um, say when you use the Cleo Relay, when you use the Cleo Relay, a siege will automatically happen. It's more like that now, where basically a siege is guaranteed to happen now when you use those. And that is really cool because they did up the threat uh, reduction to kind of counteract this. So now I forget the exact numbers, but say it was, you know, minus four threat originally. Now it might be like minus eight threat. And it actually has a real siege come at your base. So I do appreciate that a lot. And it's something that makes me want to try those bases out again. Because I definitely want to see those sieges happen. So thank you Undead Labs. And thank you Jeffrey for doing this. And I really appreciate that change. You know it's nice to have those things that are supposed to draw zombies in. Actually do that for you. So I do appreciate it a lot. Next you now need to interact with a storage facility directly to withdraw a rucksack rather than teleporting them magically onto your back from across the map. This is a big one. And this is one that's going to change the game for a lot of experienced players. Because if you're someone that's really experienced, you kind of um, found a loophole to kind of, you know, work the game to your favor. Because basically you'd be going around, you know, searching the world. You, you'd be doing quests, everything. And, you know, when your enclaves ask you, Hey, do you have any uh, ammo for me? I really need some ammo. Can you help me out here? And you'd be like, all right, all right. Yeah, sure. And all you'd have to do is go to your base screen, go to your storage facility, withdraw an ammo rucksack, and then instantly, if you, even if you were like, you know, halfway across the map, the rucksack would automatically appear on your back. And then you just take it off your back, give it to the Enclave. There you go. It was like the easiest way ever to complete missions. Now you actually have to go back to your base. So... Now it's disabled, and this is what they mean by teleporting it. So now you can't just open your base screen and have it automatically teleport to you. Now you have to actually go to your base and go to your storage facility to get it. So it does make it a lot harder to do missions now, but I do like this because that's the way it's intended to be. I mean, it's not intended to be some magic teleporting backpack. Like, that's not you know the way the game should work. So um, I definitely was using this before it was changed. But because, you know, it was in the game. I mean, it was something that was generally in the game and I was using it to, you know, make my job a little bit easier. But I am a lot happier having it changed to make it harder because I want the game to be a little bit harder and I want the game to, you know, be intuitive and be kind of representative of how the zombie apocalypse would be. Because in the real zombie apocalypse, you wouldn't have rucksacks magically floating in the air to your back. So. You know, this is nice that they change this, and even though it's going to make the game harder for experienced players and new players alike, I do appreciate this because it forces us to play the game the way the game was intended. So I, I really appreciate that a lot. Next, we now properly check the cooking skill when upgrading the Kitchen 1 facility to Kitchen 2. So I guess um, the cooking chill wasn't being checked properly. So you have to have cooking to upgrade it, and I guess some people were able to upgrade without having it. So that is good that that's fixed now, and you have to have the proper skill. The Scrap Materials for Parts action now awards craftsmanship experience as intended. Um, this is good because if you're trying to get craftsmanship experience and you were doing that a lot, it wasn't actually progressing for you, and now it should progress properly. So that is nice. This next one here, um, I don't know who wrote the text on this, but this is like the funniest line of this entire patch for me personally. And whoever wrote the text for this at Undead Labs, I really appreciate you writing the text for this. This is really funny. It made me laugh when I read it. But it says, the bike generator no longer accidentally incurs a fuel upkeep cost. So cyclists are apparently no longer drinking gasoline. <laughs> so I, I thought that was hilarious when I read it. And, you know, maybe people out there will agree with me. Maybe they won't. But. To me, it kind of made me laugh because, you know, if the bike generator was incurring a fuel upkeep cost, it's kind of funny to think about like, oh, how is it up? You know, how is it taking fuel? Are these people just drinking fuel? Like, so now apparently they don't need fuel. You know, 
they drink water instead of fuel now. So, you know, whoever Undead Labs had the sense of humor there, I appreciate that sense of humor. Thank you. We fixed a cost mismatch when employing the pathology skill to craft the bulk play cure item versus individual vials of play cure. So I don't know the specifics of this, but I guess there was some cost imbalance there where it was kind of imbalanced to uh, do the bulk plague here versus the individual vials. So now it's uh, more properly balanced, I guess, which I'm all for proper balance. So, you know, thank you all all around for proper balance because I like things being balanced in the game. We no longer award free influence when changing maps since you now arrive with a free base instead. This is something that Jeffrey talked about in the stream a little bit. Basically, how the game used to work is you'd arrive at a new map at one of the rally points and you get some free influence because you need that free influence to buy a base. Now, since you arrive at a base automatically, you're not going to gain influence now. So that is nice because you shouldn't get free influence. And I, I kind of agree with that. So I do appreciate that about when you change maps now. The infirmary text now more accurately describes recovery from injury and trauma. Um... I don't exactly know what this was, but, you know, it, it was probably a little bit confusing and they made it less confusing. So, you know, I'm all for less confusing. So thank you. You can no longer repair the same weapon multiple times in a row without damaging it first. And this is actually one that I appreciate a lot because uh, you go into your base, you know, you repair a weapon and then you use it some more. You know, it would uh, get a little bit weathered and you repair it again. And you'd actually have to get a damage now because what was happening before is players were repairing the weapon before it actually got to the damage state. And they kept repairing it before it got damaged. Now you have to actually wait for it to get damaged first and then you can repair it. So I do appreciate that because it seems weird to repair a weapon that's not even damaged yet. So that is more intuitive this way. The withdraw rucksack actions on the storage facility now appear in the same order as the resource icons in the HUD. Um, this sounds like something that, you know, they want to display more properly. I'm not exactly sure what it refers to specifically, but um, this sounds like basically something they just wanted to do to make it easier for the player to read because I guess it was out of order for how you usually see your resource icons. Now it's in the proper order, so it makes more sense for you as a player. So that is nice. But that is it for that section. We still have five more sections to go. And yes, five sections. That's why I said this was a huge, huge patch. So this is, you know, the biggest patch we've had yet. So we'll keep diving right in. Next, we have the items section. Fallen NPCs now drop their close combat weapons for you to recover. They can be equipped by other characters or salvaged for parts. This is something I appreciate because if you have a fallen NPC that dies, you can actually get their close combat weapon back. So especially if it's like the barbecue fork or one of the more unique ones that you have to earn, then this is nice that you can get that back. And it also helps you because you can get more parts out of it, like it says, or what you can do is you can trade around with your other characters. So if you have a character that has like, oh, this character has the rusty screwdriver. I don't want them to have that. Now you have more options to trade around, you know, different uh, close combat weapons. So that is nice. This next one is something I really appreciate, and it's actually really big, even though it doesn't sound like it. The inventories of your parked vehicles now come with you when your community changes maps. So what was happening is you have a parked vehicle, and you change maps, and that vehicle will come to the new map, but whatever was in the trunk inventory would all disappear. So say you had, like, you know, a couple of really nice guns in your car trunk, or you had, like, some extra rucksacks, you would lose all that. Now you don't, so... That is something that is very um, useful to the player, and it's definitely helpful to have that. Dropped items now display in-world icons to better indicate where they are as well as their current condition. This is something that I really, 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 really love, and I can't state that enough. Um, basically, when you drop an item on the ground now, instead of just being like a red bag or a blue bag or something like that, it's actually going to show an icon above the bag to tell you what the item is. So you're going to see like a little bandage icon. You're going to see like a little sword icon. It's actually going to show you, oh, this is a melee weapon. Oh, this is a bandage. Oh, this is a uh, snack. And it's actually going to show you if it's damaged too. So basically if it's a damaged melee weapon, it might appear as red or it might appear as yellow or it might appear as white, you know, meaning it's all good. So 
that is very, very useful, and it makes things so much easier for the player now. So I really love that change. This next one goes right along with that, and it really makes things easy for the player, so I appreciate it. Plague samples are now dropped as individual items, not as containers, making them quicker and easier to pick up. So what used to happen is a plague sample, it would drop as basically a container. You'd have to open it up, grab the plague sample, close it. Now it's basically just a single item, so you just pick it up off the ground and you keep going. So it makes things a lot more, make things a lot faster for the player and a lot more intuitive. The interaction prompt on drop plague samples now says take plague sample instead of interact. This kind of goes along with that as well. Basically, it's just telling you you don't have to do anything with this. You just take it and that's it. So if you don't want it, I guess you don't have to take it, but you just pick it up and that's it. So it makes it really simple for the player. Vials of blood plague here now cure early stage infections without needing to wait until you develop full-blown blood plague. This is something I really appreciate as well because there's been a lot of times where it's been you know a little bit frustrating where, oh man, I'm so close to getting blood plague. I have a cure with me, but I'm not at blood plague yet. So I have to go all the way back to my base. I have to you know, use some infection treatment to get rid of the blood plague. Now that vial of plague here, it's going to get rid of all the infection, no matter if you have blood plague or you don't. So if you have partial blood plague, you can use this to get rid of it. And this is going to be something that's very useful with the new blood plague consumables. Because in the Zed Hunter update, there was new blood plague consumables that came out. We're going to talk more about that next week. But because of those, this is very useful to have this change. So um, definitely a plus there. Thank you, Undead Labs, for that. We fixed a bug where remote rocket pods and deployable minefields dealt no damage to vehicles. They now deal a small amount. Um, that kind of makes sense. I mean, you'd expect those to deal a little bit of damage to a vehicle, so it's good that they deal a little bit of damage to it. We fixed the stack count for piles of weapon remains to be the standard 3, not the 99 used for crafting items. So this is good because the piles of weapon remains, you wouldn't think that'd be a 99 because that's not a crafting item. That's, you know, a pile of remains for weapons, and that's a little bit in a different category, I would think. So it makes sense to me that they want that to be a stack size of 3 instead of 99. So it's kind of more of a semantics thing, I guess, in a way. But to me, it makes more sense to have a stack size of 3. So I do understand that personally. Triggerable items such as C4 are now set off in roughly the order of their place. While most of these items are still set off. So that is good because you don't want things set up out of order. You know, you want to place them in order you want and have them set off, you know, in the same order. So that is good. Um, I haven't run into too many issues with this, but then again, I don't use explosives too often. I especially don't use C4 often, but it, it's nice that they changed this. And it does say additionally, too, I, I left off this part. It says some of them, such as remote rocket pods, will interrupt the chain as they must be detonated individually. So that makes sense with those because the remote rocket pods are a little bit different case. They're kind of like the, I guess, biggest explosion we have. You know, it's a series of explosions. So it does make sense that that would interrupt the chain a little bit. Consumables that provide an effect over time will now display while active over the health and stamina bars. This is something I really appreciate. and It's really useful because now, say, use a coffee. If you use a coffee before, you wouldn't know how long that coffee is going to last. Now what's going to happen is over your health bar, you're going to see a little coffee symbol. So that coffee symbol is going to appear there, and then you know what it's active for. So you're going to know, okay, this coffee is still active, and then when it goes away, that's when you know, oh shoot, my character is going to be tired again really soon. So it's really nice to see that on there, because then you know how long it's going to be active for. So it might be active for 30 seconds, it might be active for a minute, but at least when it's active, it's going to appear there for you, so you actually know it's active. Alright, next we have the mission section. So we have a couple of mission changes here. First one is allied enclaves ask for help and risk leaving the map if you ignore them about half as often as they did before. This is something that is really, really useful and it's something that players have been asking for for a while because it felt wrong that you'd have an allied enclave and they'd ask you for help like all the time. You don't help them one time and then they leave the map. Like, it, it seemed really stupid because if you've helped these people so much already... And then you don't help them one time, they're going to leave the map because of that. That didn't feel right. It didn't feel intuitive to the player. It didn't feel good for the player because it felt like, well, why am I even going to help anyone? Because if these people are going to leave after one time not helping them, like, that's kind of, you know, stupid a little bit. <coughs> it just wouldn't make sense, really. 
So now I'm glad that this has changed that the allied enclaves, they're not going to ask for help as often because you already help them enough to get them to allied status. And they're not going to, you know, risk leaving as often. So basically because they're asking for help less often, there's less risk to them leaving. So that is nice. And I do appreciate this effort from Undead Labs to kind of counteract that problem some players were having. Because if you put all this time into an allied enclave, it doesn't feel good for them to, you know, be asking for help every five seconds. And you don't help them one time and they just leave. So it didn't feel right for the player. I'm definitely glad that's changed. When you interact with the NPC, the dialogue options now always pop up immediately, rather than sometimes waiting for a voiceover line to finish. So this is good just for time's sake, basically, because what would happen a lot is you'd have to wait, and if you're in a rush or something like that, then you'd have to keep waiting for that voiceover line to finish. So it is nice that you can actually interact with them and go about your business before the voiceover line finishes. Personal leadership-related missions no longer automatically override your current mission in the mission HUD. I appreciate this one personally because your leader would always have these, you know, missions that were supposed to happen for them, and they would override what you want to do. So if I don't want to do that mission, I shouldn't have to. So it would override my mission, and it would basically mark the leader's mission as the most important one, when that might not be the most important mission to me. So I, I appreciate that we actually... It's not like you were forced to do that mission. You were never forced to do it, but it would always make it seem like, oh, hey, this is your most important mission when it might not be the most important mission to you personally. So I appreciate that. Several story-driven enclaves have new trade inventories specifically themed to their specialties. This is very cool, and I'm definitely um, curious to check out some of these specialty items because it would make sense that they have you know items that are more geared to what they do. Like, say they're a medical um, trader. They should have medical items, so. And I'm, I'm excited to see the inventories reflect this. Starting characters are no longer shown as belonging to the same community until after you've completed the tutorial. So I'm honestly not sure um, where they're going with this one. I'm sure Jeffrey talked about it in the Undead Lab stream. I don't remember this one specifically, but I guess it was some kind of issue where they were showing that they belonged to the community and they weren't supposed to be showing that. Because you hadn't completed the tutorial yet. So so yeah, I'm not really sure on this one. But you know, it, it seems like a change that could help somewhere. We fixed cases where the Warlord Notice of Eviction mission could accidentally be abandoned. So that is bad if it's accidentally abandoned. Because that is one of your legacy quests. So it, it's good that they fixed this. Because you don't want to have your legacy quest accidentally abandoned. Because you don't want to go backward in your legacy quest. That's definitely a horrible feeling to have. Next up, we have multiplayer changes. We've refined the experience for clients depositing rucksacks for the host. Now anyone can make a deposit either at the storage facility or at a parking slot. Everyone is rewarded appropriately with influence. So it is nice that they actually made this more um, intuitive for multiplayer. So it makes it a little bit easier for you to help your friends. So I appreciate that. Clients now gain appropriate progress for achievements earned while in the host game. I know a while back this was an issue that a lot of people were having where you weren't earning your progress for the achievements um, as well as previously you weren't earning the rewards. They fixed the rewards a while back. Now it looks like they fixed the achievement part too. So that is nice. So basically now if you're in your friend's game, you're going to earn progress for your achievements as well. We clarify the error message for when a client interacts with the NPC while the host is also interacting with the same NPC. So I guess there was an error message that wasn't showing things properly. Now it probably says, you know, oh, the host is interacting with his NPC. You have to wait. It probably says something along those lines I would have to think. So um, you'll have to try it out and see what it actually says. But now it's, you know, more properly um, worded. So you actually know what's going on. We clarify the error message for when a client attempts to claim an outpost or home site while in the host game. So I don't know what this error message was because I always knew that I couldn't claim an outpost in somebody else's game. But for someone that was trying to do that, I guess the error message would pop up. And now it's um, better explained to you why you can't do that, I guess. So that is nice to have that. We remove some jittery behavior of players and icons when riding together in vehicles. I don't exactly know what the issue was with this, but you know, I know um, when you're in multiplayer driving cars... There's some weird things that happen, so 
any of those weird things that they fix, you know, it, it makes it a little bit more normal, I guess. But sometimes those weird things that happen when you're driving vehicles are pretty funny. You know, your cars just like flip up in the air or something. And sometimes it's kind of funny to watch. So I do appreciate those for the bad that happens um, sometimes just because it's kind of a funny moment. But I'm glad that they made it a little bit more normal now. Next, we have UX changes. So our first change for this section is when you open a vehicle trunk while carrying a rucksack, the cursor defaults to the rucksack in your possession if there's room in the trunk to store it. So that is actually really helpful because it basically just makes it faster for you to get rid of rucksacks. So if you're carrying a rucksack, it makes it faster for you to get rid of it. And that is helpful because those rucksacks do weigh a lot and they take up a lot of carrier space on your backpack. So it is nice that they do that for you. When you die and you only have one remaining available character, we now auto-switch you to that character rather than having you choose from a list one. This is something that, you know, seems obvious, but if you have to choose from a list and there's only one character there, it's just something that takes more time. So basically, it's just a time saver for the player. So this saves you a little bit of time, and now it'll actually go to the one character you have left. Pressing the View or V button will now close the community screen, even when you are zoomed in on a character. Um, this isn't something I experienced at all, but I guess, you know, somebody might have been having issues with this and, uh, hopefully it changes their experience and, you know, helps it for them. But this isn't something that I really, um, paid much attention to myself. The car flip icon now consistently shows as inactive when flipping is impossible. This is kind of helpful because if a car is impossible to flip over, it's nice that it's not going to show you that icon because you're going to, you know, be frustrated thinking, well, I want to flip this car over. I want to flip this car over. Why is it not working? So now it's not going to show that when it's impossible to flip. Or at least it's going to show it as inactive anyways. Help tips no longer show over dialogue. That is nice because you don't want a help tip messing up the dialogue options you have because you want to actually see the dialogue in front of you. And you want to know, you know, what conversation pieces you have and you'll kind of interact with the storyline because some of these missions are pretty interesting and you don't want to miss part of that mission because of a help tip. So it is nice that they fixed this so it doesn't uh, overlap anymore. But that's it for that section. We are down to our final three changes. We have three more changes in the graphics section. So these changes are all in the graphics section here. First one is billboards and signs now stream in their high-res textures at a greater distance. They look better from farther away. So... I guess, you know, if you're using an Xbox One X or using like a high-grade PC or something like that, then the billboards and signs, they'll look better from farther away. That is definitely a plus. The visuals and audio for automatic gunfire now line up much better than they did before. So that is definitely useful because now it sounds like when you're firing your gun, you're going to have your audio and your visual for the gunfire, you know, match uh, more appropriately. So it is nice to have that, you know, happen right away because you want to have that feel to it. Okay, I'm firing this gun. You know, you want to have that sound and that visual happen at the same exact time. So that is nice that they lined it up better now. And last but not least, our last change in patch 5.0. Besides, of course, the Z Hunter stuff, which we'll talk about next week. You can now long, you can no longer outrun the rate at which grass visually appears in the game, causing it to pop in seconds later. So basically, this is something that would happen where you'd be going faster than where the grass would actually come into the game. So you'd be, you know, driving along or you'd be running and the grass wouldn't show up yet. You you run, the grass wouldn't show up until afterwards. Now it's going to show up uh, properly and it should show up when you actually are running over it, apparently. So this is nice because you don't want to, you know, be running over land that has no grass. And then all of a sudden it shows up. It's like, whoa, what happened? So it's a weird feeling and it's nice that they fixed this graphical error. But that does it. That is our patch notes 5.0. So that was definitely a mouthful. Um, it was probably earful for most of you as well. So <laughs> I do apologize to some degree. I mean, but I think it was important to say all this because I think it's important to know all the stuff that came in this patch. And I think there's a lot of great things here. You know, there's even a lot of subtle things that some of these subtle things you wouldn't hear about from a lot of people, but they're definitely nice and they definitely help the game. So I do appreciate all these. So thank you, Undead Labs, for continuing to work on this game and continuing to give give us more patches like this because these patches really help the game run smoother and it really helps as a player to know that you're invested in putting time into this game and making the game better for everyone.
And now I kind of know how Jeffrey must have felt, too, because, you know, he was trying to get a mouthful of these patches in on Wednesday when he was doing the stream. And it, it's definitely hard to get these patches in a you know, timely manner because he actually had a more strict time limit. I mean, of course, this podcast went over an hour and, you know, I, I did get all the patches in, but I didn't get everything in, in under an hour. And he had to try and get it in under an hour. So it, it's a lot to get in, but um, we haven't missed anything. I think Jeffrey said that he might have missed a couple. Um, we did not miss any of them, so we have covered everything here. So everything you have listed, you have heard here is all the patch notes 5.0. So you don't have to go anywhere else to find that. It's all right here. The only thing we haven't covered yet is we haven't covered the Zed Hunter update, which is like the new content, but we'll cover that next week because we're going to be doing Decay Fest 2 next week. So Decay Fest 2 will be happening on Friday, November 30th and Saturday, December 1st. And that will feature a bunch of streamers going from 7 a.m. on Friday all the way to the end of Saturday night. So we're going to go straight through and, you know, do basically 48 hours of streaming. And we're going to celebrate the Z100 release. So, you know, it's a big thank you to Undead Labs. So we really appreciate everything you guys are doing. And we really appreciate the new content, all these patch fixes and everything like that. So it really means a lot to us. And your hard work does not go unnoticed. So thank you, Undead Labs. We really appreciate you. But, you know, that being said, Decay Fest 2 is coming, so get ready for next weekend. That'll be really fun. And we will talk about the Zed Hunter release uh, next weekend's podcast. So next Saturday, we'll have that podcast. But our next podcast in general is going to be on Wednesday. We're going to talk about Thief of Thieves. This is a game based on Robert Kirkman's comic. It's made by Rival Games. It's a episodic game, and they have Volume 1 out on Xbox Game Pass right now. I did play Volume 1 on Xbox Game Pass, so I'm going to talk about my experience with that. And, um, you know, a little bit of a spoiler, it was pretty fun. I did enjoy it, but I'll talk about it more on Wednesday. So you can hear about that on Wednesday. And if you have time, you know, definitely go try it out before Wednesday so you can kind of, you know, so you can kind of have your own feel for it before I talk about it. In addition, our contest is still going on. We have a contest going for the Independence Pack and Daybreak DLC for State of Decay 2. To enter that contest, you just have to join our Discord, join our Facebook group, subscribe on YouTube, give us an iTunes review, or follow us on Twitter, or retweet any tweet that I make about the podcast itself. So, any tweet, like say this podcast right here that you're listening to, if I tweet about this podcast, and you retweet that, that'll count as an entry. So you have up to five entries to earn, and I will draw the winner probably on Sunday, December 2nd. The only reason I'm going to draw it then is because this contest goes into the end of the month. And on the first, we have Decay Fest going on, so I don't want to take time out of Decay Fest to draw the winner, but um, I might end up changing my mind on that, though. I will do the uh, drawing in my Discord, so it's either going to be on the first or the second. Um, I might do it as part of Decay Fest to kind of celebrate, or I might just wait till Sunday to do it, but either way, it's going to happen next weekend. So get your entries in now, and hopefully you win. You know, if you already have these DLCs, that's great. You can uh, give it to a friend and, you know, you can help a friend uh, actually play that because I'm sure a friend would really appreciate these DLCs as well. But that's basically all we have for today. I hope everyone appreciated me going over this patch notes with you. It was a lot to talk about, a lot to take in, but I think there's some really great things in these patch notes. So patch 5.0 was probably the best patch yet, and I look forward to many more patches. You know, I look forward to more updates for the game and I look forward to all the hard work that Undead Labs is doing behind the scenes and I can't wait for things like the difficulty update and Trumbull Valley in 2019 so it's going to be a lot of fun and I'm really looking forward to the future of this game but if you want to get in contact with me you can do so via my email theblazeexperience at gmail.com you can do so on Twitter or my Xbox Gamer tag that's going to be at blazeexperience that's capital B-L-A-I-S-E capital X-P-E-R-I-E-N-C-E. You can also find me on Facebook and YouTube, which will be in the show notes. And then, of course, you can find me on Discord as well. That's also going to be in the show notes, but definitely drop by my Discord because my Discord is usually where I announce things first. So that's where you find out information first is in my Discord. If you want to find the podcast, you can certainly find it on YouTube and Facebook because I just put us on there. So we are recently on there as of a couple weeks ago. So you can definitely find the podcast there, or you can find it in audio format on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. You can find it on Google Podcasts. You can find it on Radio Public, 
You can find it on Stitcher, which I know a lot of people like. You can find it on Blueberry, Podbean, and many other directories. So definitely check us out on those. And I would really appreciate anyone giving us an iTunes review. You know, it's one of the ways you can enter the contest, but these iTunes reviews, they really help us grow and they help more people find the podcast. So anyone that's willing to give us an iTunes review, I really appreciate that. You know, it can be five stars, it can be four stars, whatever you think we're worth. You know, if you think we're doing a good job, then give us five stars. Um, But, you know, give us some feedback in the comments, too, and let me know how you think we're doing. But thank you, everyone. I really appreciate you listening. It means a lot. And I will see you next week. It should be a good week. And I'm looking forward to our next Wednesday podcast and our next Saturday podcast on Zed Hunter. And, of course, I'm looking forward to the K-Fest, too. So I'll see you all next week. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Blaze Experience.